Welcome to this episode of the Frank DiMazio Leadership Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and if you could, share in your own social media, that'd be great. I'm a person who's very committed to developing leadership. That's why we have this leadership podcast. I have uh, experience in my background of pastoring for many, many years, and also in that time period, being involved with leadership training programs, including Bible college and seminary and other things. So I've seen a lot of different leadership tracks and leadership training programs. Probably the question that I get asked a lot is how do you find the people that you want to develop into leadership? And when you find them, how do you actually find time yourself to train them? And how do you get them to set aside time to be trained? I think leadership choosing has a lot to do with relationships first, choosing second. That is, to relate to the people that you want to train would be very important as foundational to find in the people that should be trained. You can find them at any level, and you can watch them as they serve in the local church on any level. As you find faithfulness and basic character that's been proven, and you see them as a potential, you can begin to reach out to them relationally, at least at a level where you can put your dipstick in to find out what kind of oil they're running, what kind of character they have, what are they doing with their life, what's their passions, their heart desires. Do they have any um, desire to be trained as a leader? Sometimes I would have a uh, great interest in a person or a couple only to find out they didn't have the same interests. And so I was reading them wrong. I was reading them as people that wanted to be trained and progress and spend more time developing their gifts only to find out that was not their desire. So I think the first step in finding people that you want to train is to relate to them, spend enough time with them to find out their heart desires, and then make sure that what you're thinking and they're thinking are the same thing so that you can begin to develop them and put them in the most basic kind of track for training. I would never personally train a leader who had not been faithful in the church for a time period, uh, who had not completed the belong or membership classes that we had, who had not been involved with at least a small group. And most of the time, my desire was to find people who was either an assistant or who led a small group or involved with a ministry, children, youth, worship somewhere, where they were serving already in the church, where I could see that they had that kind of a heart and that kind of faithfulness. And then I would begin to uh, map out some kind of a track to see if I could train them. I think one of the uh, major things that a lead pastor can do in training leaders is to map out the pathway that you will make for them to be trained. The clearer, the better. I had a Timothy training program and other things like that that was uh, mapped out for a three, six, nine, twelve month period. And so I could ask people to join my Timothy training for a period of time that was marked with uh, specific dates, specific times, and a specific curriculum. I find with uh, most young couples, 
singles might have a little bit more leadway on spare time, but with most couples, they need to have a very, very clear plan and a pathway. And they need to set their calendar and be able to commit to something that they know they can do. Well, they can't do that if you don't map it out very clearly with the date and the times and the places and how much uh, is going to be required of them for reading and for attendance and et cetera. And I think once you do that, you can then begin to effectively train leaders and schedule them into something that would be uh, something they can commit to. Uh, and then <clears throat> you as a pastor must have the same commitments that you don't change the dates and that you are consistent with the schedule for the entire time that you're training. I think when you do that, uh, you will really see more people surface and more leaders begin to find their place. And uh, during that time period, you will find more relationship with them and more things will be uh, you know, spotted, exposed, come to the surface, so to speak, that you can help them with to develop. Uh, and sometimes that can be skills, that can be character, that can be uh, different issues so that you can help them develop that specific area of their life. I will always answer a few questions uh, as we get going in the podcast. And so that's my question for today. How do you find leaders and what can you do to make sure that those leaders will have a schedule and a heart for what you're doing? Now let's move into the teaching that we're going to be doing in this podcast called Moving Mountains. The Moving Mountains uh, material that I'll be covering for the next couple sessions will be faith building and confidence building for every person that's listening. Why? Because we all have mountains or we will be uh, confronting mountains in due seasons in our life. We know that God is the mountain mover and that's his business and that's his power and always has been and always will be. We will always face mountains in our lifetime that we must move in order to fulfill that thing that everybody talks about, and I'm sure that you have at least brought up in your life, God-given destiny. And how do you get down that path that God has for you? Well, moving mountains is part of that. Building faith is part of that. Having confidence in God's power is part of that. What do you do when you face a mountain that you can't move? What do you do that you... Uh, run into a situation that is your mountain that nobody else can actually have input to. And so you have to lean into God. You have to believe. And with that comes patience for the promises. And uh, you begin to learn how to walk with God. Nobody can move mountains for you. We can pray with you. Uh, we can encourage you. But you have to move your own mountains with your relationship with God. Whatever mountains you face, you have to believe that God is a mountain mover. God knows about it, and God does have power to do something about your mountain. God can do something about it, even if we don't see ourselves as a mountain mover. You have to remember that God is a mountain mover, and he will choose to be involved with what you're doing, and he can help you build your faith. The mountain scriptures that are very well known in the New Testament are Matthew 17, 14 through 21, Matthew 21, 20 through 22, and Mark 11, 20 through 24. Those three scripture passages 
deal with this thing called mountains, and Jesus actually uses this term. So I didn't come up with the term moving mountains. It's a term that's in the New Testament, and it's a term that Jesus used. Jesus used in Matthew 17 when they were faced with a uh, demonic uh, possession and a power over a person and how they would break that power, Jesus used mountain moving with his followers to describe the miracle that was needed to bring deliverance to that person. The other two times in Matthew 21 and Mark 11 has to do with the fig tree that Jesus walked by and it's not bearing fruit. And then Jesus does something that is uh, extremely uh, breathtaking to his disciples about the fig tree and what he says. But in that scenario about the fig tree not bearing fruit and what Jesus says to that fig tree, he talks about moving mountains. Later on, he talks about moving mountains when it comes to the area of healing and diseases and miracles that are needed. Matthew 17, 20 through 21 will be the verse that I will concentrate on in this first installment on mountain movers. Matthew 17, 20 through 21, because you're not yet taking God seriously, Jesus said. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, you would tell this mountain, move. You would tell this mountain, move, and it would move. There is nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. Now, this scripture brings forth the whole faith scenario. Some people have used it to an extreme and have caused other people not to have faith in this scripture and, you know, that you believe everything can be done and nothing is impossible and how can you do that? Let's just take it at face value for a moment and understand that these are the words of Jesus and Jesus said this. He said, you can say to a mountain, I will define what could be a mountain. He says, you can say to the mountain, move, and it would move. There's nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. Nothing would be impossible for you as you try to move this mountain. It's a mind-boggling scripture. Some people will see this scripture like a sinful skeptic who points to the outrageous claims of the Bible. Some people will see it who are kind of doctrinally dull who believe the Bible but do not see miracle manifestations as something that happens today. So you can be a sinful skeptic. You can be doctrinally dull. You can be a person who does not see the power of God and how that power moves in people today and moves in situations and dismiss the scripture as unusable for the modern man, the modern mind, and in our everyday life. Then there are the faith in God people who actually see this scripture as a faith scripture that's usable and that God really did say, you can say to your mountains, move. People who embrace mountain moving as a God act, that God can and has the power to do anything and that God works in the realm of impossibilities, then they would see this scripture as something that would bring faith to them, and they would actually quote the scripture and believe it. 
Moving mountains, the phrase itself has a spiritual dimension truth to it. it. It's using the physical illustration to communicate spiritual truth. So there's a spiritual dimension to this scripture as Jesus uses the realm of the physical to communicate to us the realm of the spiritual and the realm of the miraculous. The spiritual reality of the unseen is what a person has to bring into this scripture. Principles that govern the invisible world are principles that have something to do with faith, prayer, and the words in your mouth. Now, you can use your faith and let it become a weak faith or even an unbelieving faith. You can have words in your mouth that are pessimistic and wrong, and you can actually speak words that will limit what God is doing in your life because the words that you speak are the words that actually shape the world around you. In the beginning, God said, Genesis chapter 1. And so the world that God invented, the world that God created, the world that God made using all the elements of the physical realm, that world was shaped and moved by words. God said, and there was. And so your world is influenced by your words. Your world is influenced by what you believe and what you say. The spiritual reality of the unseen is that the words can have moving power and shaping power to the world around you. So you need to be careful what you say. Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, 21, if you would say to this mountain, so there is an element of speaking. There's an element of speaking that comes from the heart if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And so there's an element of faith that comes from the heart and through the mouth and the reality of the unseen world is shaped by those words. The spoken expression of faith, speaking faith into action using words that actually address that mountain, identifying the mountain that you're up against right now. What do you have to lose? You got nothing to lose but to try this. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're beat up. Maybe you have a prayer life, but it's not going so well. Maybe you have faith, but it's been beat up and it's weakened. Maybe you have mountains that you can't climb, you can't see over, you can't move, and you're totally paralyzed by that. Maybe I can at least get you to change your mindset and at least look at this situation and believe that you can actually speak to that situation. You can speak faith to that mountain. You're, you're not going to live this way. You're not going to accept this. You're, you're not going to be the person that will look at the mountain and say it can never move. You're going to read Matthew 17 and you're going to say to the mountain, move. You're going to say it out loud. You're going to shout it. Maybe you, you're in your car, you roll up the windows and you just shout out loud, move. And in your heart, you're speaking to the unseen world, but your expression of faith from your heart with the words that you have is to say to the mountain, move. And when you say it, you need to believe there is nothing impossible for God. And so the seed of faith that's sown here with your words can bring forth much fruit in your life as you speak to the mountain. Now, the mountain scriptures that the disciples are faced with, 
They, they don't understand the realm that Jesus lives in. And so when Jesus says you can actually move into a spiritual dimension, a spiritual reality, a spiritual expression of faith, where you can use your words to speak. In Matthew 21, where he speaks about the fig tree, it says the disciples saw it happen. Why? Because Jesus spoke to the tree and something happened from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. Something happens. It says they rub their eyes saying, did we really see this? A leafy tree one minute, a dry stick the next. But Jesus was matter of fact. Yes. And if you embrace this kingdom life and don't doubt God, you'll not only do minor feats like I did to the fig tree, but also triumph over huge obstacles. This mountain, for instance, you'll tell, go jump on the lake and it will jump. This is the message translation of Matthew 21. And so Jesus is trying to teach them that you can go higher your level of living does not have to be where you're living at this point. You can actually go to major tasks, major obstacles, and you can triumph over huge obstacles, even the mountains in your life. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, message translation, almost the same as Matthew 21, but listen to the wording. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly shallowing, and it as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life and you'll get God's everything. Wow, what a scripture. What a challenge for each one of us to embrace this God life, which is to embrace the faith life, which is to embrace the life that says that you can move mountains. And it's as good as done if you have faith to believe. You can actually get from God what you need because God wants to give it to you. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's hard to embrace the invisible realm where we live so much in the natural realm, the physical, the tangible, and before we know it, our whole life is limited by everything we touch, feel, see, and so we don't try to go beyond that. Life is more than the natural realm, more than the physical realm. Your life is more than the circumstances and problems and things around you. If you could begin to speak to every small mountain, medium-sized, large mountain in your life, include everything Jesus says in Mark 11, embrace everything, and you'll get God's everything. So when you pray, believe. When you pray, receive. When you do this, you'll have what you're believing. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Faith can move a mountain. 
and in faith can move a mountain, unbelief can create a mountain. Unbelief can keep the mountain in your life. No, we're not going to stay with unbelief and we're not going to stay on that level. We're going to speak to the mountain and we're going to believe that the mountain can be moved. Now here is my definition of mountains and then in the next session I will take this apart even more out of these scriptures. But mountains represent the barriers, hindrances, obstacles, problems, and impossible things in front of you that come in various sizes and it's unique to every person. They can be moved and shall be moved. God is my mountain mover. Now, that is the core of what we're trying to get to in this particular set of teachings, is that your mountains do represent some barriers in your life, some obstacles, hindrances. We all have problems and impossible things in front of us that are various sizes to every different person. But we're believing in Matthew 17, 20, Mark 11, 22. We're believing in the spiritual dimension truth, the spiritual reality of the unseen, the spoken expression of faith. We're believing that we can actually do something in our prayer life, in our heart and mouth, that will actually move us to a higher level. Let's end with this quote from Dr. Zeus, the children's book writer. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. So be sure when you step, step with care. Remember, you will succeed. Yes, you will indeed, kid. You'll move mountains. All right, kid, I'm speaking to you and I'm saying to you, you got great places to go today. You got great mountains waiting for you. And remember, you're going to succeed and you're going to say to those mountains, be moved and those mountains will be moved. Thank you for listening today to Frank Tomazio Leadership Podcast. I hope that you will again put this on your social media, let people know about it. Leave a review on iTunes and help the podcast. Uh, I thank you for listening. I thank you for uh, sharing this with your friends. And I thank you for leaving something on iTunes. This is Frank Damasio saying, God help us move our mountains, and he will. And remember, you are a mountain mover.